Welcome to the BLK Economics Podcast, brought to you by BLK Capital Management. BLK Capital Management is a 100% Black-owned, student-run hedge fund that focuses on exposing students to the field of active investment management. The purpose of the podcast is to enrich listeners from around the globe by highlighting the importance of economics. Economics provides a deeper insight into the events that are currently taking place in the world and helps us understand the decisions that have been made and their potential impacts. I think economics is important because it's one of the most overlooked social sciences that it affects every aspect of our daily lives. I believe that economics is important because of the insight that you can gain into consumer behavior. Economics allows you to contextualize the world. BOK Economics. 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 As a disclaimer, all opinions discussed on this podcast are solely our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BOK Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions. Hello and welcome to the BOK Economics Podcast, the podcast where we aim to shine light on the events taking place on the macro stage. My name is Devin Miles, and today I'm going to be joined by two members from BOK Capital Management, Adrian and Anthony. I will go ahead and give the floor to you guys. Hey, um, so I'm Adrian Green. Uh, like I said, born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, major and majoring in finance at the College of Charleston, big interest in financial stuff, real estate. Hey, how's it going? My name is Anthony Anachina. Uh, I'm the, one of the chief investment officers here at BLK Capital Management. I've been a part of BLK Capital Management for about 11 months now. Uh, I'm currently a sophomore studying computer engineering at Wade Tech in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm very um, interested in um, learning about the you know, intersection between uh, tech and finance and also just speaking um, on you know, economics here in the BOK podcast. Excellent. So we have North Carolina and South Carolina in the house today. And today's topics, we're going to be touching up a little bit about the minutes that was released this week on Wednesday. That has been something that a lot of investors have been paying heavy attention to as the Fed policy has basically influenced what investors are doing in the markets, whether good news or bad news, anything that's related to the Fed has really driven investors' decisions. So when we look at the minutes, one of the things that we see is that the Fed is going to continue to be, are continuing to be data dependent, whether they're looking at unemployment data or they're looking at inflation data. They want to make sure that they are using the right approach to make sure that they're not sending the economy um, into a recession, but they also want to make sure that they're fighting the inflation fight as well. And when we talk about something like the federal funds rate, that's a, something that's just thrown out a lot. But for those people who may not know it, if we put it into simple terms, the federal funds rate is simply the rate at which the banks charge other banks to borrow money. And banks often have an amount of reserve that is um, required for them to keep on file in case somebody wants to come and withdraw money. And the other money that they have is excess reserves. They can you know, do things like loan to other banks or just loan to other consumers, but they have to have a set amount of reserves. So when we're talking about the federal funds rate, that's something that is very a very popular topic right now. But Anthony, what would you say the, important for, the importance of the federal funds rate is for businesses? The federal fund rate uh, really just uh, influence on short-term rates on these um, um, taking out business loans in general. And this also affects the, um, the stock market as well. 
um, especially um, for businesses that uh, work with um, investments in the stock market. Um, when the Fed cuts interest rates, this um, results in consumers uh, earning less interest on their savings. Um, when the, on the other hand, when the Fed increases the rates, um, usually with the purpose of controlling inflation, consumers will cut back on borrowing money or making large purchases. And for businesses uh, such as uh, businesses in the automotive industry or uh, in the real estate in the market, right, um, that can have a very uh, big impact on how much um, money they are making at the end of the day and also um, how much money they're also borrowing um, with business loans in general. Got it. So it affects more than just uh, it affects more than just businesses, right? Um, it would have to affect consumers as well, if the consumers often are the ones that are purchasing these products. And Adrian, I want to go over to you. For people who are, you know, they're everyday people. They, you know, have jobs. They have mortgages. How does it affect the consumers? How does it affect the consumer side? Sure. Um. So yeah. Uh. Like we touched on the Fed's fund rate. It's just simply what um, they loan out to the commercial banks. So what's the Fed fund rate currently is, what, 4.5%. Uh, and generally, there's something called a prime rate uh, that is usually 3% more than that, so 7.5%. And the prime rate is essentially the best loan that you can get as an individual or a big business in terms of credit. Uh, so what we're seeing is a lot of consumers, for one, if they're trying to buy houses, their mortgages are, 30-year mortgages are probably in the seven, around seven and a half percent. Credit cards could be much higher, probably 10 to 14 percent, if not 20, just based off their credit. Um, so uh, in terms of how the federal funds rate and their policy is affecting the consumers, it's doing a lot of damage. Um and we still haven't seen a lot of it yet, but they're certainly slowing down just simply because it's costing them more. Um, and also we have some other factors that are playing out, just interest rates. Well, interest rates are high, but we still have inflation quite high. Um, and a lot of their, uh, a lot of people have been spending on credit for quite some time. They always have been. Um, and we're starting to see that uh, credit delinquency rates are going up on the credit card side. Um and it is the 90 day thing. It typically is like a 90 day delinquency rate. It's still relatively low, uh, but we're seeing that most consumers are already tapped out for the most part. Um, and then these higher interest rates are just simply going to affect um, potentially their jobs for one, uh, but also just how they continue to go about their day to day. Certainly they'll have to cut down. Right. And I think when you touch on things like consumer delinquency, that is definitely a con of an aggressive central bank. And I want to talk a little bit about pros and cons because there is some potential areas where you can benefit from the Fed hiking rates. And I can just start off there when you have a bubble, whether that be an asset bubble and things like real estate, stocks, or whatever the underlying asset is, when a central bank is being more aggressive in their increasing their rates, you often see the valuations come down. So it, it depends on what you're looking at. If you're a person that is a glass half full type of person, as we are seeing these asset prices come down, the, the uh, valuations are seeming a little bit more cheaper. So you have a little bit of a bargain. But for most people, yes, there is a lot of cons associated with it. Can we touch on a little bit more of the cons that we may see 
in a time where the Fed is hiking rates? Um, well, um, I think we talked about credit card delinquency, but I think if things go too far, um, you could see, well, you may see, you're going to see jobs be lost for one, but that could also result in people losing their houses, uh, evictions with, uh, apartments, uh, getting their card repoed. Uh, I think those are the main key things. And I think more so the housing stuff and the credit card stuff are main economic drivers. Um, and that's what I would see. But ultimately, the credit card delinquencies, like I said, are still relatively low. Uh, in terms of real estate and delinquencies on that side, bankruptcy stuff, still relatively low, at the lowest point ever. Um, so really, consumers are still in great spot. I think it's just inflation is the hard part when you're talking higher rates plus inflation. Um, but I'll certainly pass it off to anybody else if they have anything to add with cons. Yeah, pick it back off on um, what Adrian just said. Um, really, it's just um, mortgages. One, um, you know, when you're taking out a loan um, for a mortgage or anything, right? Those um, higher interest rate hikes is really just going to knock you off, and um, that reduces the amount of consumers that are going to be purchasing um, the home uh, that uh, type of environment. Also, people who are renting. Um, that's going to affect them too because you're uh, no paying uh, interest on debt. Um, people who have, let's say, um, retirement accounts, that's affecting them. People who are um, investing in stocks in the stock market, that's affecting them um, because you know, it's just slowing. On the market overview, is really just slowing the uh, economic growth in a sense. Um, and I think, uh, for one, a lot of the reasons of why we're here and in, in these higher interest rate stuff. Uh, and inflation, for one, is simply because we're undersupplied in a lot of different areas, from real estate to the job market. Um, all of those things play a critical role. Energy, we're lacking in energy uh, shortages there. Uh, so I think when we think about how the Fed is going about their process and why, uh, the issue becomes that they're simply... For one, they're trying to crush the labor market. You have to crush the labor market because ultimately, I think we are in the probably far one of the best job markets in history in terms of unemployment being extremely low. Mm -hmm. And if unemployment is extremely low, then that means mm -hmm. that wage growth or wage inflation is going to happen. Inflation is going to happen simply because there's far more people with money out to spend. Um, and their main goal is to crush the labor market um, in order to get people to stop spending. Because if you think about it from a person that let's just say we have a job and it's, oh, well, the interest rates, X, Y, and Z, yeah, they're going up, but they haven't affected me, right? Or, so you're going to continue spending. And that's what we're still seeing currently. Um, Black Friday, people are out spending like crazy, but it isn't going to, we aren't really going to see much of a switch or a pivot and the Fed's policies until people realize, oh, my goodness, I could really lose my job, too. That's when you start really battening down the hatches. And um, ultimately, I, that's the goal of the Federal Reserve to crush the labor market, uh, bring energy prices down and real estate prices. But I think both energy and real estate are hard to bring down and really affect uh, just because there's a lot of different factors in that. But certainly the primary goal is the labor market. Exactly, exactly. And I want to touch on that a little bit later. Something you have mentioned is that fact that the Fed is holding in on the jobs numbers. 
they are they have made it evident that they want the unemployment rate to increase. Now they would never wish that upon anybody that they want to lose their job. But like you said, when people have more money in their pocket, they're going to spend more. And this is not a time period where the Fed or anybody that's right now looking at what's happening in the macro economy is wanting more people to go out and continue spending. So they are trying to make sure that unemployment does go up. And that's something that you see with a hawkish central bank, um, not a dovish central bank, a hawkish central bank. You have to go back to the dual mandate of the Fed, one being price stability and the other would be to maximize employment, but a hawkish central bank is going to be more concerned about price stability. So they're not going to prioritize maximum employment as much. And that's what we're seeing right now. Now we're talking about job creation a little bit earlier. And this week we all we saw that um non-farm payrolls, they did beat expectations, but month over month, there was less jobs created in the month of December than there were in November. So this is a sign that the Fed's um, goals, they may start to become realized and their progress towards um, reducing the amount of people that are employed is actually starting to actually um, be realized in the markets now. So my question for you guys right now is we saw massive job creation in 2022. And in fact, it was double the job creation that we saw in 2019. But how do we get in this place in the first place? How do we get to this point where so many people are hired and the Fed now wants to start seeing people get laid off? So I think with that, we were seeing, we said we're seeing more job creation in 2022 than 2019. Uh, I'd say a lot of that played off of just COVID policies that were in place. I mean, interest, the Fed's fund rates were basically at zero. Um so there was a lot of growth just from those periods on, a lot of money that was taken out, investments, and then we started seeing a big boom in energy stuff. So now you have money going there um, to those things. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors. A lot of it played straight off of COVID. People were locked away in a house for a year, and they had probably about three or $4,000 in stimulus money. So, I mean, you think about that times 150 million people with 4,000 bucks to blow, that takes some time. People are certainly spending money. Um, and that just ultimately creates more jobs because everybody's spending and the economy looks extremely healthy and everybody has an optimistic um, view. I think it's interesting that we're seeing so much job growth in 2022, um, but it, it's certainly based off of COVID, but I'd like to see how it will be in the next couple months. I think we might really slam on the brakes and it's just, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Speaking back off of that, it's really just uh, the COVID that uh, made that big play, especially uh, that people were just staying in the health on during quarantine. And I can also speak on um, specific industry, the tech industry, right, which has been having a lot of uh, tech layoffs ongoing around recently, especially um, uh, in that quarter four of um, 2022, right? That was really just... Um, their strategy of battling those uh, rising inflation rates and uh, really um, the the strong, unpredictable um, stock market around that time, right? I believe more than 90,000 jobs were laid off in that period, Um, especially just uh, really just in in the tech industry. The outlook for 2023 um, may be uh, an increase, as uh, no race moving in a different direction. 
but we really, really had to just see. And certainly to touch on, um, just to touch on the tech thing, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised of a lot of the jobs create, created in 2020 and 2021, 2022 were primarily tech-driven or tech-based companies simply because majority of the time tech does really good or outperforms very well when interest rates are extremely low. Um, and now that we're seeing, and then we typically see a negative correlation when interest rates start to rise. Uh, so I, I've seen a lot of the jobs that are being lost, as Anthony talked about, are seeming to be in the tech space because uh, a lot of them is just the burn rate and the cash. They use up a lot of cash. Um, so I, I, I think certainly there's a um, probably a lot of the job creation, but also a lot of the future job losses will come from the tech sector more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. We are also seeing things, our companies like Amazon, Salesforce, and a whole other um, slew of tech companies lay off a bunch of workers. And something that I saw, and Mr. Koopman on our last episode actually did highlight this, during the pandemic, we had an influx of demand. There was massive, massive, massive demand because everybody was at home and everybody was ordering off of Amazon, watching Netflix. So a lot of these tech companies they had to compensate somehow and they hired a bunch of employees to meet the current demand. But the only thing is that demand eventually ran out when people started getting outside more. And now we're in a dilemma where, you know, nobody wants to lay off people, but they have to. I mean, a company has to meet their bottom line and top line expectations. And going into this new environment, one of the ways that we're seeing companies start to reduce their costs is to let workers go. And that's something that we are going to see in 2023. Um, people that are looking to get jobs, they're seeing that a lot of companies are doing hiring freezes and they're actually um, cutting workers. So it's going to be also hard for you to get employed now. So that's something that I'm seeing. And that is all a result of the Fed. The Fed does have a lot of power, whether we're talking about employment, whether we're talking about people going to take out mortgages. And that was really the primary focus of today's episode, the Federal Reserve and its importance. Now, before we close out, Adrian, Anthony, do you want to leave any messages with the audience? Um, Anthony, I'll let you think, go first if you have something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I do want to say, uh, no, but we're moving on to the, the, the application cycle for uh, spring is um, closing uh, soon. Uh, so I'll definitely say uh, if you haven't already applied, definitely hop on that. Uh, and take an opportunity, you know, BOK is a 100% um, minority-owned student-ran hedge fund that promotes uh, financial literacy in the um, Black community. So it's really um, great to move forward opportunity, especially uh, if you're a freshman um, looking on how to navigate um, the finance industry and are also looking for networking opportunities and internships. Um, I, I'd say, I think, for one, this is a great um, opportunity be okay. And this podcast will provide a lot of great insight for people that certainly may not have nearly as much of a clue of how all of these major data points work. Uh, so I guess to close out what I would say from all of the stuff that we spoke on today, and for people that may be listening, the question becomes for you, if, if we're thinking as an investor based off of the information provided today, what well, where should I put my money? Where should I be leaning towards? 
Uh, we talked about how tech it doesn't do well when interest rates are high, uh, most because they're more of a growth-based company. Uh, but there's value-based. And if you look at stocks that are performing, uh, they're consumer staples, value-based companies. So I think the key thing to look at is, for those that are listening or will be, uh, where should I go about this? How should I move my money? Uh, how does the federal funds rate affect the dollar? Uh, will we likely, we've seen a rise in the dollar over the past year. Uh, we're talking about, as we kind of all agreed, that they're likely going to stay in this position and hold right here and see how the data points go. Uh, that means the dollar will likely stay or it won't go any higher. It's probably at its peak. Um, and that it'll either be trending down eventually as other interest rates, central banks raise their uh, rates. So with that comes, oh, okay, well, hmm, should I be shorting the dollar? Should I be looking at companies that were losing a lot of money simply because they had a lot of overseas business and since the dollar's coming down? I just think there's a lot of things, um, certainly from there, that you can gather and um, hopefully we provided enough to where it will benefit you guys. I agree. That was a thorough analysis. And that is one of the things that BLK does really, really take an initiative to do to make sure that we're educating ourselves because we truly are the ones that can write our passage. We are the ones that can um, draw the picture and illustrate the picture of where we want to be 10, 20, 30 years down the line, not only for us, but our families as well. And today, I really hope that you learned something valuable um, if you did share the episode, like the episode, make sure you leave a comment. Thank you. And I want to tell you, have a great week.